Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. Stocks climb to records. This update brought to you by Sector Spider ETFs. Why buy a single stock when you can invest in the entire sector? Visit SectorSPDRS.com or call one 866 ETF. The Dow, the S&P, NASDAQ all advanced today. S&P up 13 to 24.73, up five-tenths of one percent. Stocks advanced on earnings strength. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 66 to a record 21,640, up three-tenths of one percent. The Dow's push to a record came in the final few minutes of trading. NASDAQ up 40 to 63.85, up six-tenths of one percent. The tenure down 3.30 seconds, yield 2.2 Seven percent, gold down ninety cents the ounce to twelve forty one, down one tenth of one percent. West Texas Intermediate crude up sixty seven cents a barrel, forty seven oh seven on WTI. That was a gain of one point four percent. I'm Charlie Pellet. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. This is your Bloomberg Real Estate Report, brought to you by Zillow. You're not just looking for a house, you're looking for a place for your life to happen. Overseas buyers are buying U.S. residential real estate at record levels. There's a lot of political and economic uncertainty, both in the U.S. and abroad in the last year. And so we thought that might have dampened enthusiasm, but it didn't. And Danielle Hale, Managing Director of Housing Research at the National Association of Realtors, says the biggest gain in the flow of money came from north of the border. There's been a pretty big increase in sales dollar volume from Canadian buyers. They went from just under $9 billion to $19 billion from 2016 to 2017. Chinese buyers also stepped up purchases of U.S. real estate to a record $31.7 billion between April 2016 and April 2017, more than buyers from any other country. Florida, California, Texas, New Jersey, and Arizona, the most popular states for overseas buyers. And that's your Bloomberg Real Estate Report. I'm Denise Pellegrini. You're listening to Bloomberg Markets with Carol Masser and Corey Johnson on Bloomberg Radio. All right, everybody, I want to talk a little bit about uh, global uh, sustainable investment, that area. Uh, I found some numbers, and it looks like it uh, reached about $23 trillion in assets at the beginning of last year, and that's up 25% from 2014. Again, that's according to uh, one estimate. Back with us to talk about the world of sustainable investing is Garvin J. Bush. He's co-founder, chief investment officer at Green Alpha Advisors, based in Boulder, Colorado, back in our Bloomberg 1130 studio in the hot New York City. <laughs> Got erased around. Um, nice to be back with us. Hey, thanks, Carol. Great to be back. Remind us and our listeners uh, about your approach to sustainable investing. Thanks. Yeah. Our approach is to think about the totality of the economy and what's contributing to the big risks that prevent sustainability. So what are the big contributors to climate change? What are the causes of resource scarcity? Uh, what are problems with farmland? What is uh, preventing us from making uh, more progress with water? And not investing in the causes of the risks of those things and rather looking for the solutions to those risks and buying those. So a very much pure play focus on sustainability. Give me an example. So uh, Where's the I, problem and then you're playing? Yeah. Sure. I, th- I think the easiest example is in energy. Uh, think about electricity generation. Uh, far superior to use wind rather than coal, uh, both for the, like I mentioned, there's the risk side uh, about what's contributing to a systemic risk. Well, burning coal puts CO2 in the air, it puts mercury in the air, it puts particulates in the air, all those very bad things. Uh, just letting the wind blow past your turbines and generate electricity does none of those things. But then on the economic side, 
the, those same reasons uh, empower wind to be much cheaper. Since you don't have to pay folks to mine it and ship it to your power plant and burn it, you know, you can build and, and sell wind. We're seeing power purchase agreements for two pennies, even, you know, 1.99 pennies per kilowatt hour. Right. Where coal costs more like four cents. It's clean in many ways, seamless in many ways. Indeed. Um, it's funny that you mentioned that because we had a guest on earlier, um, and this was from, I can look at my notes here, from the, uh, American Gas Association, they're out with some new research uh, on a new report, and they do this every two years, and, you know, said that there's kind of a lot of opportunities out there in terms of finding new natural gas resources, and I kind of came back to him and said, yeah, but I'm looking at some of the research that we've done here at Bloomberg New Energy Finance, um, and just saying that solar, wind, they're getting cheaper, and they're more likely to be more in use than natural gas in, I forget the number, whether it was 20 years from now or 25 years from now. I mean, those sustainable types of energy, they make sense now. Yeah, far from just being a niche for environmentalists or just or just technology. Uh, it's not just adopters. a feel-good thing. It, may, it makes business sense. It does. It makes business sense because of the economics, just because it's less expensive than its previous counterpart. Now, you're right that nat gas will... I loved the research coming out of Bloomberg New Energy Finance. Uh, I read it with a keen interest. So we've probably already reached peak coal, if not in the past. We'll hit uh, peak oil demand uh, sometime in the 2020s, late 2020s maybe, as we convert to a lot of electric vehicles. Right. And then peak natural gas, according to BNEF, and I see no macroeconomic reason to disagree, will probably be between 2030 and 2035. It's the last fossil fuel to fall off the cost curve because it is the cheapest. Right. And yet it still costs more than sunshine. So what do you say to investors who are saying, yeah, okay, it's it's cheap, everybody's using it, it makes a lot of sense among the fossil fuels. Um Companies should do further exploration. Yes, no? To the extent of their short-term demand, it probably makes sense for companies to do that. It, the long-term outlook for the economy, though, is that it will rely much more on renewables. Uh, you know, if I were in the extraction business, I don't think I'd be looking for natural gas as much as I would be uh, sources of lithium because energy storage is important in terms of using batteries. Re- batteries. Well, that leads us to, let's talk a little bit about electric vehicles. There was a story, too, that caught my attention by our John Lippert here at Bloomberg News, knows the auto industry so so well, and he did kind of a quick take Q&A, why electric cars are everywhere except here. Yeah. I mean, it feels like they're so in the headlines. We're talking about what everybody's doing. We're looking at Elon Musk, and yet um, they're still in their infancy, especially in the United States. Particularly in the United States. This is one place, you know, as a matter of investment uh, policy, we don't think we like to rely too much on on national policy or on things like uh, tariffs or uh, subsidies to to get things going. We want things that st- much like we were just talking about wind and solar, things that stand on their own because their economics are so good. Uh, where with electric vehicles, we've seen policy really help the uptake a lot. The seventy five hundred dollar federal tax credit, and then a lot of states have had similar, uh, has really been helping. And yet. Finally, batteries are getting cheap enough that you're starting to see electric vehicles compete toe-to-toe with internal combustion, and that's where you'll see the tipping point, even in this country where people love their internal combustion. When do you think – we're talking with Garvin J. Bush, co-founder, chief investment officer at Green Alpha Advisors based in Boulder, uh, Colorado, here in our New York studio. So when do you think we really start to see kind of the tipping point when it comes to electric vehicles? I want one, but I'm not quite there yet. (laughs) See, I think a lot of people are there. Uh, you know, Elon Musk says he's going to be able to build a battery that costs about $125 per kilowatt hour of storage yeah. pretty soon. That's pretty amazing. 
When that happens, these cars are competitive in both range and cost with internal combustion for the most part, and I think that's when you see the tipping point. And different uh, agencies and different folks have made different predictions for when that'll be. Bloomberg New Energy Finance says as soon as 2022. IEA says 2028 maybe. That's like five years. It's soon, right? It's very interesting. It's because the technology curve is, is rapid. Uh, tech improves as it gets more and more demand and becomes cheaper and cheaper. Just think about your last few TVs you bought or your last couple of computers. Yeah. Commodities like oil and gas get more expensive the more demand they come under, so they have the exact inverse curve. So the more people want electric cars, the cheaper they get. No matter what happens in Washington, whichever way the political winds blow, does any of that really matter? Just got about 30 seconds here. In the long term, no. In the short term, sure, taking away the federal tax credit for electric cars would dry up their sales in the United States temporarily. Temporarily, In the long run, they're going to be so much cheaper and such a better proposition for driving around in that no one will want one. Fascinating. I do always love when you come in. So great, Carol. Thank you. <laughs> um, take care of yourself. Uh, we've right. been talking with uh, Garvin J. Bush. He's co-founder, chief investment officer at Green Alpha, Green Alpha Advisors, as I mentioned, uh, based in Boulder, Colorado, in our Bloomberg 1130 studio uh, here on this Wednesday. Just a reminder, in terms of how markets closed on this Wednesday, we did see a bit of a rally. Stocks closing near the highs of the session. Dow up 66 points, 21,640. S&P, a close of 24,73, up about 13 points. And the Nasdaq up six-tenths of a percent, the biggest on a percentage basis, up just about 41 points. You're listening to Bloomberg Markets, Carol Masser in our Bloomberg 1130 studio, and this is Bloomberg Radio.